and finish with dominion. Uh, they will take a Sunday morning and a Sunday night to get us through on each one of these words. Um, but this is where we will be going because we're talking about the nature of the kingdom of God, and that really should have been the nature of the kingdom of Jesus. I began uh, last week, I believe, talking about uh, the nature of that kingdom that is Jesus Christ, and it is uh, steeped in light and illumination. We found that out in John chapter 1. And so we're going to go into how this kingdom uh, came about. And we're going to begin with this word triumph. So if you will stand with me and honor the reading of God's word. Comes from Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers. What a mighty line. Amen. What a mighty line Paul speaks here. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing. See that? Over them in it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. I pray that you'll open our eyes that we can see in our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. Then may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, we ask you today, out of your position as the man in the Godhead bodily, to speak to the Holy Spirit that resides in us, as well as the Spirit of Christ that comes out of us, and reveal what we need to know, so that we could come into the glorious riches of the wonderful glory that is in God that's been appropriated for us in you. So as he speaks, we will receive it and release it to your people. And your people will be transformed, not just changed, but transformed. And we will come to the knowledge of truth that will bring us into a deep understanding of spiritual things that will allow us to become more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. We thank you for it all, and we ask it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen, and you may be seated. I want to thank you again for being in the house of God while you're being seated, and I want to begin by saying this. Everything that Jesus Christ has said in the Word of God... Everything that was said about him, everything that he said about himself, everything that he relayed in the Gospels concerning himself, all are directly spoken as if they are spoken to you. You must come to that understanding because he spoiled the principalities and powers made a show of them open and triumphed over all of hell that would keep you from coming in to the knowledge of His will. We saw that in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 1, 9 through 13. And the, the understanding of spiritual things. 
So when Jesus is speaking about Himself, He's speaking from what the Father has said to Him concerning Himself and what the message the Father desired for Him to bring forward and place into the air that would go directly into your spirits. Now we've been looking into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. But before I finish that, go into that, I want you to understand that when Jesus made the comment that he was going into the strong man's house, and there in the strong man's house he would plunder his goods, that statement is as dramatic, real, alive, and operational to you as it was to him. How do we know that, Pastor? Because of what Paul said in Colossians 2.15. Triumph means total control. It's not winning. I, I played in a golf match this week with a buddy of mine. And we played two guys, and the match was probably closer than it could have been. It should have been because neither one of us could make a putt. When we got done, he said to me, I feel like the coach, and he was a coach for years and so was I, whose team won, but he doesn't feel good about the victory. We, may, we had a victory, but we don't feel good about it. Why? Because we didn't play as good as we could. That's not the case in the spiritual world. You have, in Jesus Christ, total triumph over everything and anything that the enemy might attempt to place in front of you. You have an absolute way of escape from every temptation. How is it? The triumph that Jesus Christ gained for you when he rose from the dead. It's important that we understand that. It's important that we understand that principalities have been plundered and spoiled and brought to nothing. All of the powers that are coming against you that would harm you, hinder you, block you, stop you, whatever your personal case may be, all of them have been brought under the triumphant power and made to be openly shown as having no authority over you or your life whatsoever. That's the message the church doesn't have. Why do we not have it? Well, some of it is because of our doctrines that we teach. Some of it is because we uh, uh, tell people that you can go into this particular place and never have to worry about anything again and then sin attacks them and they think well what do I have to worry about sin for they told me that once I was here I would always be here so why worry about it and then sin overruns them and they indulge in sin while they think they're on their way to heaven because some big belly preacher stood up and told them so now truth is truth my friends the bottom line is the bottom line he has made a show openly and triumphed over every power and principality that hell has to offer. So your life does not have to be tossed to and fro. You don't have to have the devil uh, pushing you around and bullying you, if you will. Not necessary. Because he has triumphed over this. Now, where did he do this? That's the question. Because again, in our Western world and possibly now around the world, because of the Western world, we have this concept of where triumph happened. We have the idea that triumph happened at the cross. Triumph 
began at the cross. It started there. But the cross and the reason for why he was there was the destruction of the devil with a perfect sacrifice that had to die and the shed blood going into the ground. And when he died there, all of the sin that was placed upon him, there was a legal sacrifice that had to die. When we look back into the Old Testament and we study the outer court and the brazen altar, we know that there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be something die. Watch it now. But that wasn't the end of the story. That was not the end of the story. It was the beginning of the story. What do you mean, Pastor? When we look back into the tabernacle of the Old Testament, and we, we know that that same tabernacle is absolutely made without hands in the kingdom of God. We know that the book of Hebrews between chapter 418 and about 1025 tells you the elaborate story of the tabernacle and the high priest who entered into that tabernacle. So we know that there is some efficiency and essentialness in what happened with Israel in the tabernacle in the wilderness. So as that, that uh, sacrifice was laid hands on the forehead by the one who was about to kill it, and as he slit the neck of that perfect sacrifice, and the blood poured out, and the priest caught the blood, that was by no means the end of the road for the blood. It was just the beginning. Now, we want to preach the cross because the cross is an ag a magnificent theme of the gospel. But for us to understand how Jesus triumphed, we cannot see him triumphing in death. We can only see him triumphing in life. If we see triumph in death, what happens? We have no, no means there to put the principalities and powers uh, and show them openly and prove we triumphed over them. Why? Because there's death there. Now think about it. There's death there. So there's no triumph in the cross. That had to happen somewhere else along the way. So as Jesus died as the perfect sacrifice, if we equate this to the tabernacle in the wilderness, we're going to see that the man of God took the blood, went to the laver, and began to wash himself, face and hands, to prepare himself for entering into the holy place. Now, Jesus Christ did much of the same. He went into the tomb, and there in the tomb, without a broken bone in his body, his inner man being preserved, but his outer man being dead. Why? Because of what happened at the cross. There had to be a death. There had to be two things. There had to be a death and there had to be blood. Without those two things, there would be no reason for the tomb and there would be no way to triumph. The blood had to be left in the earth so that at the time needed, it could be called out of the earth to minister to you. And to minister to me. The blood will always reside. That's what we found out in the story of Cain and Abel. You remember God said his blood calleth out to me. Now, so from the cross to the tomb went a dead man. 
Hell rejoiced. They looked around and they said, we got him now. Paul said if they had only known what they were doing, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. But they said, we got him now. He's dead. He's gone. We have taught these crazy folk who had the Messiah in their hands into killing him because they thought what they had was better than what he was giving. So they crucify the Lord and they send him into the tomb. When they closed the door on that tomb, something miraculous happened. It was in the spiritual realm that it occurred. An absolute mystery happened in the tomb. Because during the course of the three days and nights that he was in that tomb, supposedly, something was going on in the spiritual world that we could not see. But we know that it happened because the writers of the Word of God wrote about it. So Jesus now, it's important that you understand, his bones were not broken because the inner man that was in him had to be available to hear a voice. Had to be. So as Jesus is now in the tomb, wrapped in all of the death clothes, a spiritual action is taking place. Now, someone would say, Pastor, I don't understand that spiritual action. I want to ask you one question. Are you saved today? If you are saved, you are saved by the exact same spiritual action of which I'm referring to, and you don't understand it. You don't understand what has happened on the inside of you. All that you know is that you heard about Jesus Christ and something happened in your inner man and you begin to say, yes, I, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. And I, I believe that there is a better way to live and I, I see Jesus Christ as that better way to live. And I believe. And so you believe. And a spiritual transaction took place. It was not something you could do on your own because if it were, you could do what Paul said. You could boast about it. I saved myself. But you can't do that. There's no boasting in this because it's a spiritual transaction. You can't see it. You can only know it. How are you going to know it? Because of the way you're living. Your life now becomes different. The things you used to do, you don't want to do anymore. The places you used to go, you don't want to go anymore. The things you used to think and ponder on, you don't think and ponder on anymore. Because you've begun to live out of something that is inside of you that is giving you an abundance of life of which you never understood and couldn't even believe that it could happen to you. But it did. But it did. And when it did, it totally transformed you. There was a transaction that transformed you. Yeah. You don't see it, but you know it happened. Because everything you now do is different than what you used to do. Your goals and desires are different. Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians that death happened in him. Death, there was a purpose of death. His old man died. And it changed his life. Now we're looking at how this spiritual transaction happened and why did, why did it happen. In Psalms 103, chapter 7, David said about Jesus Christ, 
Thou will not leave my soul in hell. You will not allow me to see corruption. So something's going on in the spiritual world that is causing a triumph. Something went on in the spiritual world of which Jesus has spoken about. You remember? He said, I'm going to go into the strong man's house. And I'm going to plunder every bit of goods that he has. And I'm going to take those things that he has. And I'm going to take them from him because they have never belonged to him in the first place. He took them by stealing them. He took them because a man walked in treason and a woman walked in treason. And I'm going into the spiritual world to take them back. Well, that's exactly what he did. So Jesus goes into the region of the damned. Someone said, where is the region of the damned? But we do know this. <laughs> that there was a place that Adam and Eve, or that, that Satan rather, was cast out into. There was a region where he became the prince of the power of the air. There was a place where he and one-third of all of the angels, somewhere below the heavenly realm, were placed into. Now, here's what we know about that. It was so ravaged that when God made the plan to make man, he had to go back and start over with the development of the earth. How do we know that? Because that's what Genesis 1 tells us. Genesis 1 tells us that he redesigned everything where man was concerned. And he put everything in place that man would ever need. Now I have to think that the earth prior to this had much the same. Except devastation hit it. Evil hit it. And when evil hit it, it began to tear it all up. And it became a damnable place. Why? Because of who dwelt there. Now Jesus turns around and he begins to speak and the Holy Spirit begins to create. Now the Bible shows us that it was a six-day operation. How long that was, all I can tell you is what the Bible says. But when they got done, there was a perfect place, an absolute stellar place for Adam and Eve to live in. It was the place where they had dominion over everything. Now watch it now. They had never triumphed, but they had dominion. Why? They were given it by God. Then Satan comes along out of the region of the damned, and he creates the havoc and the destruction and the evil that comes into this new world. And Adam and Eve are cast out of the garden. But God making a covenant with them, kills two animals, clothes them, more or less to say with them, this blood covering is going to cover you because you're still going to be the ones that are going to be the progenitors of this life. So, but in this comes the prophecy of Jesus Christ. You will bruise his heel, but he, will wound and bruise your head. Habakkuk 3.13 said that salvation came and stepped on the neck of the enemy from the foundation. Now think about that. From the foundation 
to the neck. From the very foundation, how did that happen? Did the cross cause that? Because the cross was the place of a sacrifice. There had to be more to it. Did the tomb cause that? No, 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 no. The tomb was the place where the sin, the degradation, the separation went to die. But in the meantime, there's a spiritual activity going on, and Jesus goes into the region of the damned. Now, when he walks in there, the demonic party, you heard what I said, the demonic party is there having their way. And Jesus goes into the region of the damned, and the demonic party, is there and they are just celebrating the victory that they think they have won, never understanding, now watch it now, that Jesus Christ went there on a promise. He did not go there on accident, nor did he go there because he died. He went there on a promise. What was that promise, Pastor? I will not leave your soul in hell. I will not have you see and be corrupted. So as Jesus left the tomb, and he goes into the region of the damned, there he is, and he is among them. He is among all of the fallen angels. He is among all of the depravity that the region of the damned has. And they in the demonic party are saying, we've got him now. This is over. We can now take over that thing called earth. We have no one to block it. We have no one to stand in our way ever again. We will be able to do what we want to do when we want to do it. We will be able to lord over people and be the master of people. And I will not only be the master and the prince of the power of the air, but I will be the master that will rule them forever. Oh, no. Now, wait a minute. Then all of a sudden... Peter declares, or Paul, Paul rather declares, that the Spirit of God that brought Jesus out of that region, brought him out of that region, showed up in the region of the damned. I don't know what he said. I don't know what transpired. All I do know is that something miraculous happened in the spiritual domain. And Jesus' spirit heard a word. And when he heard that word of the Holy Spirit, everything about him changed. He came to life. He came to life. How did he come to life, Pastor? All I can tell you is he came back to be a greater version of the version we knew when he was on earth. How do you know that, Mike? Who would have said such a... Well, we know this. We know that not only did he live in hell, but he came out of hell. 
Not only did he come out of hell, he was seen of Mary. Not only was he seen of Mary, but he said to Mary, don't touch me because I'm going to do something you can't do and you can't stop me from doing. I've got to go see my father. And he went to heaven and there he proceeded to operate in the holy place to sprinkle the blood on the furniture and the vessels of ministry for you and me. He could not have done that in the flesh. Something happened there. You see it. He had to have, there was a triumph that occurred here. His body came back to a life that was greater, that was stronger, that was bigger, and that was more anointed, if you can imagine that, than the life that he had lived among mankind. When they went to the tomb and they looked in and they didn't find him there, and all of a sudden, Mary is standing there weeping and saying, where have you put my Lord? And he says, Mary. And all of a sudden, she turns around expecting to see the gardener. And But she recognizes it's the voice of Jesus. He didn't look the same. He didn't talk the same. He sounded the same, but he didn't say the same things. He said, don't touch me. Before they were able to touch him, they were able to lay on him. They were able to lay on his breast. They were able to anoint his feet. They were able to anoint his head. But when he came out of hell, triumphant, he said, don't touch me. I'm not ready for that yet. I got something to do in the spiritual world. I got somewhere to go in the spiritual world. And when I get there, glory to God, when I get there, every man, woman, boy, and girl for eternity will be able to say, I can triumph over death, hell, and the grave eternally. All we have to do is go with him. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he comes out of the grave. That was the point. Now, I want you to get this now. The blood was released on Calvary. The blood was released at Calvary. But grace was not released until he was resurrected. The blood was released over there because there was a death. In the resurrection, grace, grace became the new order of life. How do we know it? What makes you say that, Pastor? Because when he left the earth and he went, into heaven, he began to operate in a method of grace. What did he do? He walked into the temple. There in the tabernacle, he became the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. That's why I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest. Because if I understand him as the high priest, I will always understand how to appropriate the blood. <laughs> I'll always understand how to appropriate the blood. If I don't understand how to appropriate the blood, the blood remains in the ground. That was Cain's problem. But when we understand how to appropriate the blood, then from the blood we can take grace that has come out of the tomb with Jesus Christ in his resurrection and appropriate the blood to anything we want. We can connect them. And now we can begin to live by faith. We can connect grace and the blood. And when we do, our faith grabs a hold of it. And the next thing you know, from there come the blessings of God. All because grace has connected to the blood. Ah, that's good stuff right there. 
Now Jesus walks into the temple. How does he go into the tabernacle? Does he go in as the one slumped on the tree? Now think about it now. Does he go in as the one slumped on the tree? Or does he go in as the triumphant Jesus Christ who has walked out of hell, who has brought with him the keys of death and hell, who has not only brought with him those keys, but led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Did he walk in as the slump dying one? Or did he walk in as the triumphant, victorious son of almighty God, the anointed one that we know as Jesus Christ? You know that's how he walked into that place. He walked in holding his own blood. And there he begins to sprinkle that blood on the lampstand. What did he do it for, Pastor? So that you could have access to the entire plan of God. What is the entire plan of God? From the that is purity. From the neck of it is holiness. From the seven stank handle uh, holders are the seven spirits of God. In those candle holders are the almond-shaped uh, leaves. They are to say to you that the Word of God will always operate speedily. In that vase, there is an anointing. There is an oil that says that you will keep the light of this promise of God burning forever. There is a candlestick, and that candlestick is Jesus, the light of the world. That fire comes out, and it is the Holy Spirit that causes the illumination that operated in you that saved your soul. Oh, he ain't done yet. He ain't stopping there. Because then it goes down. The Holy Spirit draws all men to that light. That light is the anointed one who walked out of hell triumphant. That anointed one goes into his word and works speedily from his word. That anointed one is anointed by the seven spirits of God. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, reverence, and God blessing for judgment. That goes into the neck, which is redemption, and right down to being your righteousness. That is the plan of God for you. The triumphant victory of Jesus Christ. Someone said there's more left, Pastor. Yes, there is. He goes over and sprinkles his on that table of showbread. There are two things there that you must be aware of that is causing you to triumph in Christ Jesus and to become more than an overcomer in Him. What are they, Pastor? There is the blood and the bread. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, it covers every sin, it washes every sin away. It is the blood that went from the breaking of His will to the breaking of your mind, will, and emotions that ran down over his eyes so that you will see the things he wants you to see and hear the things he wants you to hear. The blood that was put from his beard that causes you to be able to speak 
the words that he speaks, the blood that flowed from his back that was done so for your healing, both spiritual and physical, the blood that flowed from his side that put you in the church of which he is head, the blood that flowed from his hand that gives you the anointing of truth upon everything you lay hands on, and the blood that flows from his feet that every step you take in this journey called life is taken in the blood of life. My God. He ain't done yet. He walks up to the front of that tabernacle and he takes blood. Now remember, they had poured blood on the coals from the sacrifice. That's how that fire kept burning all the time. Jesus walks up with the blood of a sacrifice. He does it once and for all. It will never be done again. He takes the blood of that sacrifice. And therein he pours that blood on the altar of incense. And the blood begins to create not only a fire but a smoke. In that smoke that waffles up now, it's not going through the ceiling as it did in the Old Testament. It's not waffling out among the people as it did in the Old Testament. It's waffling into the holy place. There, the blood of Jesus has created a sweet-smelling savor. Now, why would he do such a thing? Because it is here, my friend, that you triumph with him. It is here, my friend, that you are in the smoke with him. Every one of you that are born by the blood of Jesus Christ are born to be one thing. You're not born to be a Christian. You are born to be a priest. He triumphed over death, hell, and the grave to take you from this physical world that you live in into the spiritual world that he lives in and that he triumphed over death, hell, and the grave to get you back to. If you could get back to that place of your priesthood, you can stand as the altar of incense and the blood that has been poured on that for you will bring you into a place where you will be hid in Christ in God. My God, what a place to be. That's what this triumphant thing has done for you and me. It has brought us out of this old flesh life. It has put us in a place where we can literally stand conjoined with Jesus Christ and joint heirs to the very throne of God. What a place. What a victory. It wasn't just I knocked him out and he got up. I knocked him down, they counted him out, but he got up. No, no, no. When he came out of hell, he came out of hell as the triumphant, anointed Jesus Christ. And everything about him was different. He could walk through walls and speak peace. He can walk through the wall of your heart and your life and speak peace. He can walk through the wall of your heart and your life and speak peace. When sickness seems to be ravaging you, he can walk through the wall of your heart and your life and speak peace. Think about that. When death seems imminent, he can walk through the wall into your life and speak peace. What a mighty God we serve. We've never understood that grace came out of the resurrection. And when grace coupled with the blood, 
everything changed. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Everything changed because of triumph. Everything changed because of what Jesus did after He was resurrected. Your life in Him changed because of what He did after the resurrection. Grace to you changed because of what He did after He resurrected. He led captivity captive and triumphed over every principality and power. And here is the greatest news I can give you today. That triumphant one lives in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That triumphant one lives in you. So why would you struggle with life's issues? Why would you worry about feelings? Why would you ever be offended? Why would you worry about something in your body raising up whenever Christ, the triumphant one, is in you and has done the two things that your faith needs to wrap its mind around? He has released grace to you and He has released the blood to you. And if you'll wrap your faith around those two things, my friend, there will be nothing in the physical world that can ever, ever, ever knock you off course. Because you understand the triumphant one lives in you. What a place. What a life. What a glorious and victorious time. What a wonderful place to live in the life that's in Christ Jesus. I want you to ask the Lord right now, Father. Through grace and the blood, will you open my soul to see that you reside in me and that you are the triumphant one. And everything that you have ever said or ever done applies to me. So as you triumph, I must be a triumph. I must also be triumphant because you're in me. And if your spirit of life is in me, because it has been made to be life, then I, if I am living where I should be, I am as triumphant and more triumphant than you are because I didn't die, but I did. I didn't go to hell, but I did. I didn't raise from the dead, but I did. But I did become a priest. I did live under your lordship. I did listen to you as the man in the Godhead. So if you're living in me and you are because I am a priest after the order of Melchizedek of which you are the head, your priesthood resides in me. Therefore, there is no demon of hell. There is no attack of hell. There is no struggle. There is no turmoil. There is no disease. There is no sickness. That can reside in the place where Jesus lives. None. None. 
None. Why? Because he's already triumphed over it. He's already triumphed over it. He's already shown it openly that he has triumphed over it. Now I want you to say, Lord, as I grab the blood of my face today, and I grab the triumphant Jesus and the Christ, the anointed one, as I grab him today, I live in that triumph. I live in the triumphant pattern of Jesus Christ. For he has been triumphant for me and made me what I could not be, the righteousness of God, and then hidden me in himself in Christ. If that's you, if that's you, if you prayed that prayer, I'd simply like for you to do this right where you are. Make an altar. Stand to your feet at that altar and lift your hands and say, Lord, I receive triumph. I receive the triumph of the Word of God. I receive the triumph of Jesus in me. I receive the triumph of what He has accomplished to make grace and the blood available to me I receive it today it belongs to me because it belonged to you and you gave it to me because of what you accomplished by re being resurrected by the Holy Spirit and coming back to life in a greater stronger more powerful form than you could have ever been as a man and then living in me living in me I receive the triumph and the triumphant power that leads the principalities and powers take control of them in the spirit world and manifest Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you. I praise you. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Will you do it for me? Now, Father, I thank you for these that have been listening by Facebook, YouTube, Lift Him Higher Radio, or Mike Springston FFC podcast. This triumphant life is the life Jesus Christ died, went to the tomb, and was resurrected for you to have. This triumphant life, not a life of going in and out of sin, not a life of guilt, but a triumphant life. He triumphed over it all. Someone said, yeah, Pastor, but we're just flesh. Wait a minute. As I say, stop, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Because you're not just flesh. You're not. Your spirit man has been inhabited. Not only by the Holy Spirit, but by the spirit of life that is Christ Jesus. He has taken your mind, which is flesh your mind, will, and emotion, and transformed it. And from that mind now, you, because you've been transformed, will think different thoughts, which means your hands, your feet, and your mouth will do and say different things. You're no longer just stuck in the body of flesh. That's what this Christian life following Jesus in triumph is all about. It's all about being able to allow my soul 
to walk in the Spirit and talk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. And that's you. That's for you to triumph in. And if you will just give yourself over to Him, see what I'm saying about grace, the blood, and triumph, you will realize, because the Holy Spirit will show it to you, that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus because greater is He that lives in you than he that is in the world. And your flesh part will die. And you will love the Lord and you will live this life of peace, this life where you can triumph over anything in Christ Jesus. This belongs to you if you're a Christian. Now, Father, I pray for those that are not saved that are listening to me. I pray today that you would simply say these words, Father, forgive me for I'm a sinner. I want to be saved. I want to come into the knowledge of truth. The only way to get there is Jesus Christ. And if in forgiving me, I will make you Lord of my life. Then I want to pray for those of you that are Christians, but are not triumphing. Because no one ever told you that you were supposed to. No one ever told you that you could. No one ever told you about the triumph that was in the resurrection. Because you've been left at the cross all of these years. Everything began there, my friend. But victory happened at the resurrection. Grace and the blood came out of there for you. For you. Now you've heard it. You must decide what you're going to do with it. I'm believing the Holy Spirit is stirring you on the inside and is allowing you to see truth for the first time in your life. That you can triumph. That you don't have to live in sin. That you don't have to go in and out of sin. That you don't have to be a struggle in this life. But you can triumph because He triumphed. And He spread that blood on those vessels of ministry so you could know who you were in Him. Father, I pray that you will open their eyes that they can see and their ears that they can hear and their heart that they can understand what the Word of God is saying to them and then receive it into themselves and then release it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will begin to speak. The triumph, the freedom, the liberty that is in the victoriously anointed Jesus Christ. I pray it so in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Stand for the blessing. Father, bless these people. As their eyes are open and their ears hear, may they hear the life of the Spirit of Christ speaking out of their inner man. May they understand they are the triumphant ones who are the church triumphant in Jesus Christ. Bless them as they go. Bless them as they work. Bless them as they do all of the things that life requires. But mostly bless them as they seek your face. And pray. And ponder and meditate on the words of Almighty God. In the name of Jesus Christ, be blessed. God bless you. Six o'clock tonight on Facebook.